Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome uh, to Ridgeview Church. Uh, we are so glad that you're all here to, to worship with us. My name is Alex, uh, and I'm the, the pastor here. And uh, today I'm wrapping up a series that we started a few weeks ago called uh, The Proven Playbook. And uh, how many of you guys are football fans, NFL, college? You guys like football? <laughs> that was okay. Some of you are into it. The others are like, eh. Um, but this is the season, like all the sports are kind of starting back related to football and baseball is beginning to kind of get to that, that playoff kind of focus and, uh, sports are those things that, you know, there's plays and you have a coach and a manager and all the team working together to accomplish uh, the goal of, of winning. And, uh, it's actually any time that you team together with a group, uh, that's the same. And as a church, uh, we are a team as well. And God has given us. Uh, all these people in this room and others that aren't even here to form a team that, that he wants uh, to build. And so in this series, we're looking at what are these proven plays and these go-to plays and this playbook that we want to operate by as a church so that we can be successful uh, as a team, so we can accomplish the mission uh, that God has given us. And so over the course of the last few weeks, we've been looking at specific plays and specific approaches, and I just want to highlight these so if you've missed any of the week, uh, any of the weeks you can be caught up. And so you'll see it on the screen. Uh, here's some of the replays of what we've talked about. Uh, these are specific plays of how do we want to relate to each other. And so the, the first is play number one, uh, others before me. And uh, the heart attitude is put the goals and interests of others above my own. That's kind of a definition of what sacrificial love is. So we have these plays uh, called the heart attitudes here at Ridgeview. And the heart attitudes are summary statements of the commands of the Bible of how we're supposed to treat each other and how we're supposed to team together. And these are attitudes and also an approach, how we view things and then how we go about it. And so the first thing we kicked off is just this idea of how do we relate to each other out of love? And you, you do that by you, you put others' goals and others' interests in front of your own. And when you do that, you actually have successful relationships and you have relationships that bless and as a church, we have a church that people want to be a part of because people are looking out for each other. That's what love is. And so that was the first week. And then the second week, we talked about play number two and this idea of discretion, not deception. And so hard attitude number two on our playbook is to live an honest, open life before others. And this is a summary of what it means to have integrity. And that is that who we are on the outside, that what people see matches what's on the inside. Uh, we don't play games with people. We don't fake it. Now, everyone doesn't know every secret that we've ever had that freaks people out. But there is a sense in which we can have real and authentic relationships. And so that's what this play was about. Play number three, a couple weeks ago, uh, Joel spoke and talked about the feedback loop and the importance of giving and receiving scriptural uh, correction. And sometimes you hear that word correction, and it kind of causes you to freeze up. But in scripture, there's always an emphasis on telling the truth to each other in love. And it's easy to get deceived. It's easy to get misled. It's easy to let our emotions, our experiences lead us down paths that can sometimes really wreak havoc on our lives. And so we need people that love us enough to tell us the truth. We all have blind spots. We all have things that we don't see. And so this feedback loop is we're going to love each other enough uh, to tell the truth in love, to encourage in the way that the Bible tells us to encourage. And then last week, uh, we talked about this play number four, peace if possible, and the importance of clearing up relationships. And that's the practical way that you actually make peace. When 
there is a mess in a relationship where there's a misunderstanding, where there's a sin that's occurred, where there's conflict or bitterness, whatever there may be, it's a mess that happens. And what messes do, if you don't clean it up, the mess gets worse. And it gets worse and it gets worse. And in relationships, this happens and it can become the norm. But as a church, we know that relationships are gonna get messed up because we're human. And as we relate, we say things or we do things that we shouldn't have done. So that's, that's a given. But as a church, when we make the mess, we wanna make sure that we clean it up. And so we do that by clearing up relationships and making right so peace can exist. So these four plays are summaries of how we want to relate to each other. And so we've spent four weeks on each of these plays, one week for each play. Today, I'm doing three plays in one. This is what you call a threefer. It also means that we're gonna be done at 2 p.m. <laughs> some of you laugh and some of you are like, he's actually telling the truth. But we're looking today at not just how we relate to each other, as we've just talked about, but how, if we relate to each other those ways, how do we team together? So this is now not just how we relate, how we treat each other, but how do we work together as a team? How do we come together to accomplish the mission that God's given us? And the mission is stated in scripture. It's actually what Jesus proclaimed that we need to do. And you find that in Matthew 28. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And there's this focus that Jesus made. This was after he had been crucified to pay the price for our sin. This was after he had risen again on the third day and conquered death so that we may have life. This is one of the last things he said before he ascended back into heaven. And he knew his followers, his disciples, and the crowds that gathered, they knew that he was gonna be coming back because he promised. And he is coming to return, but before that time, he gave his followers this charge, and he gives all of us today who follow Christ the same charge. We're supposed to make disciples out of all nations. We're supposed to make what it means to follow Christ so people make sense so they can learn how to follow him in every aspect. And then to be baptized once they decide to follow him, and that's what we're celebrating today as people are being baptized. And so this great commission is our mission as a church helping people come to know Christ and to live life his way. Uh, Simply, this is our mission statement, and you may have heard it before, but our our mission statement as a church is we wanna invite people to experience refreshing life in Christ. We believe that life to its full and the best and abundant life is found in the person of Jesus Christ, that it's the best kind of life that we've been given. And so as a church, we wanna invite people to become disciples, not only of just this life they've been given, but the abundant life in Christ, the fullness of life. And so we wanna keep inviting people to experience this refreshing, uh, this refreshment that they, they long for. And so the reason I say that is, when I talk about teaming together, it's not just arbitrary. How do we wanna relate? and What do we wanna do? But it's actually, how do we wanna live out the mission that Jesus himself has given us? The specific call to reach people for Jesus. And so I wanna talk about these plays related to that. And they're summarized by our team uh, commitments. So any team has a commitment. Now, you may have been a part of a sports team. Any of you guys played sports when you were younger? Okay. And you, you were a part of a team and it may have been successful and it may not have been. Um, you're a part of a team now at work. You have coworkers, you have a boss. You're part of a company, that's your team. Uh, if you have a family, that's your team. Whether it's your spouse, your kids, Anyone that you're relating to in your team is, your family is a part of your team. And so what I want you to do, just really briefly, 
As you think about your team, whether it's little sports team that you've had, your family, your work, whatever group that you find yourself relating to a lot, what are the commitments that you have as a team? Just think about that. Take like 15 seconds. What are some team commitments that you've had in the teams that you find yourself in? Take a moment to jot that down. Kind of weird, huh? Like, what, do we really, like, we really write it? But isn't that the point? Like, when, when you think of being a team, you oftentimes you don't really think about the commitments. You're just a team, and that's, that's it. You're just a group that is together. And sometimes it can be kind of aimless, or sometimes it can be kind of not sure what you're supposed to do or how you're supposed to act. But as Christ followers, we've actually been given specific commands to live out, specific team commitments, And our job as Christ followers is to dig into the scriptures to find out what they are. And as a church, we want to highlight those so we can all be on the same page. This is the way that we want to team. This is the way that we want to work together. And so the first play that we're going to talk about related to this, play number five, and that's participate in the ministry of the church. And I want to just highlight some scriptures that speak to this this idea of being a part of something bigger than yourself. This is Ephesians 4. 16. It says, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So it's talking about from him, that's Christ, from him, from Christ, the whole body. And the whole body here is this picture of the church. We represent this body that has many different parts, and the many parts are the different individuals. And just like the body has different parts for it to function, we have different individuals that when we come together with this collective whole that is greater than we are than when we're isolated and by ourselves. That's the picture of a church, this group of people that work together that can do something they can't do when they're all alone. Now, have you ever injured yourself and a part of your body? Like getting old? Any of you gotten old? Like we all know what that's like. Yesterday, I was just sitting on a curb after our service project, and I got up, and I I was like, oh, my goodness. I'm like, how terrible is that? I literally sat down and got up, and I'm like, all twisted up. A few years ago, four years ago, in fact, I ruptured my Achilles tendon, and that's this thing right here. And I remember I ruptured it, and I tried to walk, and I was just club-footed, like dragging my leg, and and I thought it was like a sprain, and so I drove home. And as I was trying to push the, the accelerator and the, the brake, which those are important things to be able to do, in the middle of driving, I realized that doesn't, I can't quite do it. And so I'm like lifting my whole leg in like a club, just pushing it down. And I realized at that moment how important that, that ligament and that tendon is because it connects to every aspect of my leg. And then I re-ruptured it. And for a whole year, my body was not functioning the way it should. And it was so difficult just to get up, to move, to drive, and all this stuff. And every time I think of the, the church, it reminds me of that time where you, sometimes you, you don't realize the impact that the different parts of your body have on each other until it's not working. It's, it's the same with us in the church. Like We don't know our full impact until we all come together and we see the different people that God's put in, in our path and the different people that God's brought to this church. And when we all participate, there's something that, that's a beautiful picture of something that can be accomplished that it can't when we're all alone. 
And that's what the writer here is saying is you're connected through Christ, connected uh, together. And Romans 12 echoes the same thing. It says, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. So again, the beautiful part about the church and the team that he wants to put together is the realization that it's not conformity. It's actually in our diversity, in our differences, that it all works. It's the fact that some have strengths that others don't. Some have experiences that others don't. Some have passions that others don't. And God brings us all together to create something as each part does its part. And so part of Ridgeview, there's just a sense in which we want everyone to be in the game here. We don't want everyone to be on the sidelines. Now, part of us, when we come to a church, especially if you're new, you're just trying to figure out if this is what you want to be a part of. And that's good. You need to take the time to get to know us. But there gets this part which you, you've watched and you've seen, and it's time to get involved and to participate. There's a video here I want to show. Now, I, I grew up in England. As some of you know, I was just there recently. And so I think the greatest sport in the whole world is soccer. Thank you for all three of you. <laughs> right? There's some of you. and I, So like, that's the greatest sport in the world. So I'm going to show an illustration here. And you could just apply this to any other sport if you're not a soccer person. It, as soon as I said soccer, like, I'm checking out. That's, that's not a sport. You know, I'm a little defensive. You see that? That's, calm down. Calm down, Alex. But let, let's watch this and watch what happens with, with the team working together. It's not very often that a play starts with the goalkeeper and the ball is in the back of the net before the other team can even touch it. Seriously, this isn't even fair. But it took just seven passes and 17 seconds for Barcelona's U15 team to score this well-executed goal against La Floresta. After the match, their coach said, this goal is the epitome of the club's model. It is the best example of our DNA. Of our DNA. Hey, hey, hey. Anyone else like that just bring a tear to your eye? <laughs> you know what? Am I still in England? Because apparently this is the wrong illustration. But th- that's really good. In soccer, that's really good. There's a lot of passing. And I love what the coach said. He's like, this is the epitome of our DNA. Everyone got the touch. It went from the goal, from our end to the other end. The other team didn't even touch it, and everybody was selfless, looking to each other. And that, that's kind of what, what God wants us to be in this, this group, in this church as we participate, this sense in which we're always looking out for each other so we can work together to accomplish what he's given us to do. And so it's this beautiful picture, even if you couldn't translate it in that video yourself. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, each One should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So you see this theme, right? God has given each of us this grace. And the grace that he's given us is, one, if you're a Christ follower, it's saving grace. It saved you. But two, it's a grace that he wants you to extend to others. And he's given gifts according to grace in its various forms. And then here, faithfully administering God's grace. So there's a sense in which he gives us our own wiring and our own makeup, and as we participate in the church and as we connect and as we contribute, we're extending that grace to others. And so that's the epitome of this, this heart attitude. I want, I want to show a video uh, from one of our just attenders here at Ridgeview that's attended for a few months now, and he's participated. And he's going to share a little bit about how he's seen 
just this heart attitude of people participating and the difference it's made in his life. Let's watch it. Hello, my name is Zach. Myself and my family have been coming to Ridgeview since about March of this year. And I wanted to share with you and everyone about heart attitude number five, which is participating in the ministry of the church. Um, I have seen this put into practice by the way that the welcome team and the teachers at Kids Zone will selflessly spend time volunteering away from either the main service or from worship uh, or uh, Alex's message as well. Um, each week to serve others and to make everyone else feel welcome. Uh, when I see the sacrifices that others make and their dedication to furthering the kingdom of God, it gives me a desire to want to help and use my talents to grow the church and bring new people to Christ. And so Zach, Zach's describing this picture of there's people like that are behind the scenes at the church right now that are even helping with our kids. And from their gifts and their, their willingness and their, their love that they have to build into this next generation, uh, it blesses us. And when you see that, there's a sense in which it calls you forward. And that's what he's describing. Like, I want to, to give as well. I want to give of myself. And so this participation is not for the elite. It's not for anyone special. If you actually follow Christ, it is something that you're commanded to do, to jump in and make a difference with what God has given you. So that's play number five. I want to move to uh, play number six. And this is where the pastor starts talking about money. You're just waiting. You're like, I knew it. <laughs> 12 minutes in. But this is uh, play number six, support the work of the church uh, financially. And the reason it's important to talk about money, especially in this setting, is all of us have a lot of thoughts and a lot of stresses related to money, right? There's actually not a day goes by that we're not thinking about it or sending it somewhere. You know, our money doesn't have feet. We're sending it somewhere every day. Sometimes we wish it had feet and it's coming back. That's part of our stress as well. But there's not a moment that goes by that we're just not thinking about money. The Bible actually has a lot to say about it. And so it's a disservice if, as a church, we don't talk about the thing that people are always thinking about and people are stressing about. And so it's very important. And as a church, we actually need people that are going to support the work as well. And so that, that's what this play is. So the connecting is a given for all who follow Christ. Like, I'm going to be connected. I'm going to participate. The second is also true that I'm going to contribute. I'm going to actually do my part to continue this work onward. And that's the epitome of this heart attitude, support the work of the church financially. Here's some perspective. Psalm 24 says this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Basically, everything on this earth belongs to God. Even our lives belong to him because he has given us life. So there's just a sense the scripture's laying out God is the owner. Everything flows through his hands. There's not a part of existence, a part of this earth that God's not connected to. And that is the perspective that shifts when you decide to follow Christ. It's this realization that he is the owner. He owns everything. And I'm not the owner. I'm now a manager. I'm what the Bible calls a steward. So I need to make sure that I'm handling what he's been giving me in a way that's going to please him. And so it's this shift from what can I hold on to to now what, what can I let go of? 
And oftentimes with money, at least in my own life, you have it in your hand and you just, you just want to clench it and you want to hold on to it, right? And you want to make it last as long as possible. And occasionally something comes along, you want to spend on that because it's important. You want to spend on that because it's important, but you just, you just got to hold on because that money's just like sand. It's just flowing out. At least that's like my checking account, right? When you decide to follow Christ, the shift goes from this clenched fist to this, God, just help me to realize that you own this and this belongs to you. And you begin to just open up your, your fingers a little bit. And you, God, I'm going to realize that you have blessed me and you, you give me this and you, you just unclench it over time. And as you grow more maturity and as you trust them more and you see that he's going to come through and he's going to provide, you begin to operate like, God, this is yours. It is not my role and my right to clench my hand on the things that you've given me. It's open. I'm surrendering it back to you. Now, God is gracious. There actually is commands to give back, but he doesn't ask for it all, even though it's all his. He asks for percentage, and you see this in the Old Testament in the book of Leviticus. Leviticus 27.30 says this, every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy uh, to the Lord. And so you may have heard teaching on this before, but basically what, what God's standard of giving is, is a tithe, which literally means a tenth. So part of us unclenching begins with a sense, I'm going to give 10% of my income back to him, because that's what he's commanded. Now here he's talking to the farmer. That was their, their money, their crops, what they had to show for their work. Here we have a paycheck, unless you're a farmer. But for most of us, we're not. And so what he's saying is, is as you follow me and as you begin to do life my way, you begin to, to hand over this, this percentage back. Not everything, but 10%. That's this, this starting point. Now, if you're new to following Christ, and if this is something that you've never even heard of, this can feel like, what on earth? That, how does that even make sense? What it begins is it's a step of faith. It's I'm gonna do what God says, even if I don't understand it. I'm gonna do what God says, trusting that if I obey him and I follow his ways, he's gonna take care of me. That's the epitome of trust. And so if you've never given at all, I'm not here to say God needs your money because he doesn't. He's the owner. He can do whatever he wants. But if you want to align and get on track with what he's commanded, then you want to begin to give something. And so 10% could feel like, how could that ever be? And so you just start where you are. But as you start to give and you let go and you open that up a little bit, you begin to see God work and he comes through. And then you're willing to do that again. And then he comes through. And the scriptures actually, we can test him in this. He knows that it's such a struggle. We can test him and see if he will not bless and provide. And so support the work of the church financially here is such an important play because without it, we can't exist. And we have a rented facility here. Without people's generosity and giving, we, we couldn't meet on a Sunday. We have events that we do to provide refreshment to the community, which is a part of our mission. Without people's gifts, we, we couldn't do that. So there's a sense that all that we're doing is connected to the people who are connecting to each other and contributing so this can go on forward and accomplish the mission. I want to show a video from another person, a part of our church called Corey. Called Corey. Her name is Corey. She's called Corey. That's also her name. And uh, she's going to share just how she's kind of grown in this and, and see a God come through for her as well. Let's watch that. My name is Corey. I would like to share about heart attitude number six. Support the work financially. 
My husband, Brandon, and I have attended Ridgeview since the very first service. Our family has grown so much in our faith. We have also seen Ridgeview grow in numbers and truly believe that our community has grown because of God's blessings here at Ridgeview. It's so refreshing to know that you're part of something such as Ridgeview's first sports camp, not only giving our time, but helping financially support such a big experience in the community. So for us, we feel honored to be able to give not only our time, but also have a financial commitment to God and our church, giving a percentage of our income. We invite you to do the same. Let's watch God build his kingdom, this community, and our church together. Corey sent this to me, and I just preach it, sister. And can we use that backdrop for every video? That's what I... It's literally what I told her. Um, that, that, that picture is, 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 again, accurate, just like Zach shared. It's, it's, it's a vision of we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. And when we see God come through, and we've had a part of that, there's blessing that comes. We get part of that blessing. And that, that's, a, that's, a beautiful, that's a beautiful thing. There's a scripture that encourages me and calls me forward found in Proverbs and this is what it says. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. All of us have been given not only our talents and gifts like I talked about, but we've been given resources. We've been given money. And there's a sense in which we can honor God with the things that he's given us. And when we honor God, it blesses, totally blesses. Now, this is where everyone freaks out. Was that mine? Is that mine? But God blesses when, when we do that. And here's the reminder for me. Often when you talk about money, all you see is a dollar sign, right? Okay, money, how much can I give? And I can't do that. There's so much pressure, and you just you can feel it, and it can be overwhelming because all we're seeing is just the, the dollar signs. But you know what? The, the biblical view of, of money is, is not about the money itself. It's part of a church. It's actually about the people. And so here's a picture of Fontana's concert in the park. You see all those people? When I think about the mission that God's given us, and when I think of all the people that he's provided to participate, and the people that are giving and contributing, this is what I think about. Because as people contribute and give, we're able to reach people. And in the end, that's what it's about. It's inviting people to experience refreshing life in Christ. I want to kind of close out with the last play, uh, play number seven, which is to follow spiritual leadership within scriptural limits. You're getting kind of all of it in this one sermon. It's like serve, give, follow. All your fears of church just happen in one place, right? Isn't that true? I was like, what? You just feel that pressure. But this is actually, if you think about it, these issues are some of the most important you can talk about. Because how much of our life is impacted by what we give our time to and what we're part of? That's what serving is. How much of our life is impacted by our money? That's what I've talked about. And then how much of our life is impacted by our view of authority? Whether it's leading people or us following, every part of life is, is contained in that. Those things, these, these, are, these are crucial. And so as a church, 
We want to make sure that we, we're operating, we're working together in a way that reflects what the Bible says because that's what we want to do. We want to continue to line ourselves up. And so dealing with authority, uh, it impacts us. It's easy to be uh, frustrated. You ever, there's a picture here. You ever felt like this with somebody, like a leader? Like, you ever just felt like that? I want to choke my boss. You know you have? There's times you've thought about that with your spouse. There's just times where there's somebody, when they're leading us, we just, we don't want to do what they say. Not only that, but we think we could do a better job. This happens even in sports with kids. I'm coaching my son's uh, team. They're like under 10-year-olds. And yesterday, we're playing our second game. And in the middle of the game, I'm coaching, and I'm kind of instructing the boys on where to go and where to position yourselves. And there's parents that begin to start telling their kids what to do as well. Now, if you've ever been a parent in a sport, it, this is really easy to do. So I'm not faulting the parents because you, you just get in that vortex where it's a team sport, but all you're seeing is your kid. And so you want to make sure they do a good job. And so in the middle of this, all these plays in the middle of the game, two sets of parents begin to, to coach, essentially. And one of the players looks at his parents and then he looks at me, and he's literally like, like he didn't know what to do. And so in the middle of the game, I just said, parents, let me coach, you cheer. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> come to the next game, okay, Karen? You come to the next game, next week at one, all right? Man, I got me fired up. But I said it, and I, and I, I thought, oh, no, this is going to be interesting. But you know what? At that moment, that's all. It, it had to happen. They had. To, they have to cheer. They have to encourage. I have to coach because that's my role. And without the clear communication, that there's confusion, and the team couldn't function. And the parent actually came afterwards and says, "I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry." Like they were embarrassed. I said, "I completely understand." And I'm. I was not mad in any way. I just, in the middle of all that was happening, I needed to say it so we could focus. And it's the same within this church. It's the same with anyone who's trying to lead. There's a sense in which you've been given this responsibility to lead the team forward. And when you're the leader, it's a a heavy responsibility. And so when you're a follower, you're actually supposed to follow in a certain way. And this is biblically what it looks like. Here's Hebrews 13. It says, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. So as I was thinking about that, I think there's some perspectives here as a a follower that this verse talks about. The first is you you realize that there's the weight of leadership. So you want to obey and submit. That's the idea of like you're, you're willing to tap out of your own priorities or preferences it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to get clarity. But there's a sense in which when direction's being set, you're not going to keep fighting for your own way. Like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm on board. That's what that, that submit. It's like literally like in fighting, when you submit, you tap out. It's the same picture. But you realize that the reason I'm willing to do that is because they're watching over me who must give an account. There's this, this weight that they have that God is going to face every single leader when their life is wrapped up and ask them 
How did you handle the responsibility that I gave you as a leader? And they're going to face Jesus and have to answer for that. So as a follower, you realize that there's a weight and there's this accountability that they have that should impact the way that you follow them. Because that's a heavy weight and that's a heavy burden. And then another thing is how I respond impacts their life. Uh, the scriptures say, obey them so their work will be a joy, not a burden. Have you ever led somebody and they made your life difficult? Maybe you're a teacher. I know there's some teachers here. Do you ever have that like one student? And I could go back to that image of the player in the coat. That's how you feel. It's just so hard. Or as a parent, you ever had those seasons with your kids where it is a burden and you ask them to do something and all you get is attitude back, right? You, you know what that's like. All of us have those where we've been in that position of authority and somebody doesn't follow well. The picture is this, where you ask somebody to do something and it's not just, sure, it's a, well, I can't, I, and you just walk away. <sighs> that's the picture, not a burden, is literally a sigh. Now, reverse of that, have you ever followed and you've caused your leader to sigh? That's not good. What it is is you're adding this burden on them. It's burden enough for them to lead. But then when the followers don't follow, it's an extra burden. It's an extra weight that your leader now has. So you want to obey them so there's not this, but more of like a, great, they're with me. They're on board, and we're moving forward. I want to share a video from Sammy Rangel, who uh, speaks about this heart attitude as well. Let's watch it. Hi, my name is Sammy, and I want to share about heart attitude number seven, which is follow spiritual leadership within scriptural limits. As Ridgeview has gotten started and launched, I've been able to see this heart attitude lived out. One specific example is several weeks ago on a Sunday morning, we were locked out of the school. So we weren't able to set up like we normally do on Sunday mornings. So what Pastor Alex and the serve team leaders decided was we would do our best to set up um, as normally as we could outside, but while we were setting up to be uh, praying that we would be able to get inside. And we had gotten most everything set up and at about an hour before church was gonna start, the security company came and was able to unlock the doors and let us inside. And at that point, Pastor Alex and some of the serve team leaders talked to see if it was doable for us to set up um, inside in time. And they decided it was. And so all the teams really worked hard together to move the equipment and supplies and everything inside and get it all set up. And with God's help, we were able to get it set up in time. And during the moving and setting up again, it would have been really easy for people to complain and grumble, but nobody did. Everyone had a joyful and can-do attitude as they chose to follow uh, the direction of the leadership. And that was just a really good example and encouragement to me to follow my leaders and to follow them well and with joy. Now, for me personally, I usually follow well if their idea matches mine. They're doing a great job. That's what I would have done. What just gets difficult is when they have a different direction and a different approach in a different way. And that's just, if you're not the leader, it's not your stewardship to lead. 
It's the leader. And so there's just times where it's not what you would have done. It's maybe not the approach. But there's an opportunity to follow, even if it's different than what you've been given. And here's the thing. Some of you, you, you want to be a leader, and that's a good thing. God may have put you that, and he may have given you the desire and skills and experience, like we talked about this participation, to lead. But the way that you lead in Scripture is you follow well. And as you follow well, God raises you up as a leader. So I hope these, these three kind of summarize how we want to work. We want to participate in the ministry together. We want to jump in. We want to get in the game and see what God does through us. Part of that is we also want to contribute. We want to extend and open our hand to what he's been given us to continue this work forward. And then finally, we want to follow well. Because as we follow well, the troops are mobilized and we can move forward and charge the hill that Jesus has called us to conquer. And I want to summarize you. There's a, a bookmark inside your program. Go ahead and pull that out. If you got it, go ahead and wave it. It looks, I think I got one in my pocket here. It looks like this. Uh, this is just for you at, as a reminder of the things that we want to do to team together. And so you'll see on the front it says proven plays, teaming together. It's got the first four hard attitudes on the front and then the last three on the back. I encourage you, keep this close because this is just such a helpful reminder of how we want to team together and really what God has called us to. This is the scripture. It's not the whole scripture, but it's specific scriptures for how we want to treat each other and how we want to team. And so this is just a way, a resource uh, for you. Now, you may be here and, and you're, you like what's going on at Ridgeview. You want to be a part of this. And so we're actually going to be starting the membership process here at, a, at our church. And we're calling it Exploring Ridgeview. There's a way that you can explore how you can be a part of this. And we're going to start with a preview class. And this preview class is the first step uh, in the membership process. And membership is really a commitment that we make to this church. And it's this movement from attending and maybe putting your toe into this idea of, okay, I want to jump in and I want to be a part of what God's doing. And so I encourage you to consider signing up for this class. It's going to be the end of this month on September 29th. It's open for everyone who wants to come. And we're going to lay out, here's what it means to be committed to Ridgeview Church. And so if you want to be a part of that, you can just write preview class on the back of your connection card, and you can drop that in the offering, and then we'll get in touch with you with some more details. So that's one next step. And then I want to just close out with uh, three more. On the back of your uh, listening guide, there's some next steps, and then you can also write this on the connection card. So everybody pull out your connection card. We're going to drop that in the uh, offering in a moment. And here, here's some next steps. I'm going to go through these really quickly. The first is um, participate in the ministry by. So we've talked, that's hard attitude number five. If you're not a part of serving here at Ridgeview, there's actually no pressure. All of these work and exist because there's freedom. Without freedom, these aren't real because we have to choose this. It has to be something that we want to do. So if you're at a place where you want to help and you're not helping on a team, um, you can just write right there, contact me about volunteering. So if you're interested, you just check that and we'll We'll get in touch with you with some different opportunities to help. Uh, the next step is uh, support the work financially by maybe you've never given and you need to give something. Maybe you've given a few months ago and it's time to give again. Maybe you give 2% and you need to give 2.5%. I don't know what it is for you. But kind of where you are, ask God to lead you forward to the next step. And then the, the last is to memorize Hebrews uh, thirteen seventeen. 
That's that last scripture. It's on your listening guide. For me, it's just when I memorize God's word, it's the truth that I have access to in the moment. And that memory just brings it in what you face. And so those are three things. Write those every week when you take a next step. I get that connection card, and I pray for you. And if you have prayer requests, please write those down, and I'll pray for you this next week. And so I'm going to invite the band up. I'm going to close in prayer. We're going to sing another song. We're going to receive our offering. So write those next steps down on there, and we're going to close out our service. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, which does instruct us on how to team together. Thank you for making us different and diverse so that as we do our part and other people do their part, we we can come together and we can accomplish so much more than we can by ourselves. Thank you for the people that you've brought to Ridgeview so far. God, I pray that you'll unify us and continue to grow us as a church. God, we pray that you'll, you'll bring more people in to contribute with us and to connect with us so that we may continue to reach people. God, give us hearts and eyes to see and to relate and to feel with those people that that need you, that are longing for the refreshing life that you give. So give us a chance this week to share the difference that you've made. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.